medical field is a multi-trillion dollar industry. In 2020, the U.S. healthcare spending increased by 9.7%, reaching $4.1 trillion. That averages out to be about $12,530 per person. With profits like that to be made, is it out of the realm of possibilities that there are cures for diseases that are being withheld? When you realize that almost 50% of people will face some type of cancer in their lifetime, that theory doesn't seem so far-fetched. So let's talk cancer and try not to lose our funding in the process. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Now we all know the sector of pharmaceuticals is usually one for profit. Now does this mean that the profit and loss formula controls the decision of what medicines to produce? Even potential cancer medications? The best example of this is the criminal trial of Dr. Stainslaw Brzezinski out of Houston, Texas. Dr. Brzezinski had discovered a new potential treatment for the most fatal of cancers and was attempting to patent the medication for distribution. He discovered the body of someone with cancer lacked a certain peptide that healthy bodies produced. He searched for a way to extract the peptides from the blood or urine of a healthy person and administer the peptides to a cancer patient, thus creating antineoplastins. He had MRIs of brain tumors known to be fatal just disappear. His medicine worked. His lawyers did the research to assure that they were in compliance with Texas state and federal laws. He wanted to start his own bioresearch company that produced the antineoplastins and was able to administer the medication and study the patients at his private practice. According to state law, he was in the clear. Doctors could administer new drugs to patients who needed immediate treatment and for whom there were no other options. This is not a part of the law that fell under the jurisdiction of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act at the time, meaning it gave him the green light to administer and use the drug within Texas state limits without breaking any federal laws. If he went outside of the state lines, he would fall under the jurisdiction of the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and his practices would be considered unlawful. So now with the green light to use his new miracle treatment, Dr. Brzezinski quickly started treating some of the more urgent cases amongst his patients, with a high rate of success, I might add. Patients either saw complete remission or significant improvements. He became a known name amongst those suffering from what they were told was a terminal disease. Patients rushed to get in line for the anti-neoplastic treatments in hopes of a cure that they were told previously did not exist. Dr. Brzezinski was following state and federal laws. He was covering his ass at every turn, and at this point, the FDA had no jurisdiction. But that does not mean the good doctor was out of their reach. No, no, no. They just needed to take a different approach. Brzezinski was initially funded by the National Cancer Institution and Baylor College of Medicine. But after starting his new company, Brzezinski Institute of Research, both institutions withdrew the funding. Brzezinski was forced to find funding through bank loans, patient fees, and insurance payments. The healthcare industry is known to shun members of the community who threaten economic and organizational changes, as you might imagine. 
and in 1994, Dr. Brzezinski claimed some of his patients started reporting to him that they were being approached by agents from the Texas Board of Medical Examiners. These agents were trying to convince them to file complaints against the doctor. The vice president of MD Anderson Cancer Center, Dr. Robert Hickey, warned Brzezinski that he would be having problems with the Texas Board of Medical Examiners. Come to find out, the board had been investigating Dr. Brzezinski for years, since 1986, in fact. Brzezinski was forced to prove that he was providing acceptable treatment to the board. And confidently, he submitted twice as many case files as he was asked for that showed, quote, incurable types of cancer in remission. For two years, he didn't hear anything back from the board until he received a letter stating that the cases he presented didn't show significant results, and since he had continued to practice, they had the right to suspend or revoke his medical license. So for the next five years, the board filed complaint after complaint against the doctor, but each time he was found to be in compliance and allowed to continue. The harassment got so bad that Brzezinski's patients banded together and they filed a petition for the board to stop but the board ignored the petition by simply striking it from the record and pretending it never existed. The case finally went to trial for the first time in 1993. The judge presiding over the case said that he had no idea what the board's problem was. They did not present anything that showed Dr. Brzezinski in violation. They simply hired expert witnesses to come in and contest everything that Brzezinski said. The doctor's defense, on the other hand, had many well-respected names in the medical field who backed up Brzezinski's claims, like Dr. Nicholas Petronas, a Georgetown University expert who also happened to be part of the National Cancer Institute's team and who examined several successful cases of Brzezinski's. He testified that the anti-neoplastic treatment was astonishing and he had never seen anything like it. The basic conclusion was that uh in five of the patients with uh, brain tumors uh, that were fairly large, the tumor uh, resolved, uh, disappeared. It's amazing, the fact that they are leaving. It's impressive and unbelievable. The families or patients themselves testified on the doctor's behalf as well, eventually convincing the judge to rule in Dr. Brzezinski's favor. He was allowed to continue his practice yet again, but the board was far from done with trying to stop him. They took the case to a higher district court and then all the way up to Texas Supreme. Each time the board failed to present a case, even claiming that the efficiency of the treatment was not the issue. Then, uh, what is? <laughs> Clearly showing they did not care if the treatment worked. They were only caring about the money for the treatment and the direction in which it flowed. This is when it became public knowledge that the FDA was putting pressure on the board to get the doctor's license revoked. They were now going after the drug because it had not been proven by controlled clinical trials. The head of the FDA at the time, Dr. Richard Kraut, stated that he never has and never will approve a drug by an individual. Apparently, he only approves drugs for large pharmaceutical firms with unlimited finances. Imagine that. Brzezinski tried to partner with several established pharmaceutical companies, but ultimately they always withdrew because they thought that it would be, quote, too difficult to work with or around the FDA due to the attitude that they had for Dr. Brzezinski. However, 
Brzezinski had a stroke of luck in 91, when he unknowingly treated the sister-in-law of the CEO of Elon Pharmaceuticals. They were eager to start the process to get the anti-neoplastic therapy approved by the FDA. Yeah, I bet they were now. The same year, an employee of Brzezinski, a Dr. Dvorak Samid, who he hired to assist with the research, was able to present her work and the progress of anti-neoplastins at a medical convention in Switzerland, which landed her and the new treatment on the front of oncology news. It seemed the tables may have been turning, until Elon Pharmaceuticals suddenly withdrew its proposal because of doubt in the patenting potential of the medication. And in 1992, Elon Pharmaceuticals went behind Brzezinski's back and recruited Dr. Samid to work for them, his apprentice. And she suddenly became the section chief at the National Cancer Institute, whom Elon was now working with to research the same ingredients as, you guessed it, anti-neoplastins. At a hearing of the Oversight and Investigation Subcommittee in 95, the commissioner of the FDA, David Kessler, was questioned on his motives of pursuing the doctor, since so many times they had not only failed, but just in turn proved the doctor to be right again. But nonetheless, in December of 95, just a week after the hearings, Dr. Brzezinski was indicted and faced 75 charges of violating federal laws and fraud. If he was convicted, he faced a possibility of up to 290 years in federal prison and $18,500,000 in fines. Not to mention that this would be a death sentence for the patients who came to Brzezinski. But the case cost the FDA big time and thus the American taxpayers $60 million in legal fees while also putting Dr. Brzezinski back about 2.2 mil. I am appalled at the Food and Drug Administration and their actions. We are here today basically to pr protest the witch hunt that's going on by the FDA. We have to stick together and really support these patients that are suffering, not only health-wise, but having to come down here to make a stand against the FDA. Please don't waste my money abusing the system to make sure that you maintain your power. And in 1997, due to the deadlock jury, the case was considered a mistrial. And the judge stated the government had not presented sufficient evidence and ordered that the doctor be acquitted. Overall, all that came of the proceedings was the National Cancer Institute made a fool of themselves, along with the FDA and Texas Board of State Medical Examiners. Dr. Samid, through the Department for Health and Human Services, filed a patent on anti-neoplastins starting in 91, even going as far as to use Dr. Brzezinski as a reference in her letter. It was astonishing what these people thought they could get away with as long as they had Big Pharma on their side. This was a blatant and offensive smack in the face for Brzezinski. The US government and Dr. Samid would go on to file 11 extended patents from 91 to 95 which were eventually all approved in 97 to 2000, although they are blatant infringement on Brzezinski's patents. Months after the final patent was filed, Dr. Friedman, who had been on Brzezinski's side since the beginning and who had worked as associate director of the NCI, became the deputy commissioner of operations for the FDA, working directly under Dr. Kessler. Now, would it cut into the profits of the multi-billion dollar oncology business? Some believe that this is not the motivation for the industry because the patients that Dr. Brzezinski is currently treating are not candidates for chemo 
or any other kind of treatment. The largest shares of total health spending were sponsored by the federal government, nearly 40% compared to the 26% sponsored by the households, meaning the biggest risk of loss if a new and effective treatment came out would fall to the government, therefore lessening the pressure for treatment and for other consumers. I think it's clear with the 15 to 20 year battle about patents that the FDA and the NCI did not care if the medication worked, they only cared who was making money off of it. And the best way to make money is through fear. If someone is told the only thing that will save their life is their checkbook, they'll hand it over with no resistance. But what Dr. Brzezinski is doing is working to eliminate these incurable conditions, and that threatens to unravel this tightly wound business. A business that relies on its consumers thinking that there is no other option. Dr. Brzezinski is still in practice today and still working out of Houston at the Brzezinski Clinic. Good luck, doctor. Godspeed. All right, there you go. There's our cancer episode. Hopefully we don't get like, you know, defunded or assassinated or something. Wait, are we funded? Uh, no, we are, we are not funded. It's hard to take your funding yeah. when you don't have when any. Ha <laughs> ha, suck it. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're going to get like audited or some shit. Whatever no. they can do. What can they do? <laughs> I don't think they can do anything. They're, they could totally do something. If we had a, if we had a big audience, I'd be, I'd really right. be if concerned. We were, yeah, if we were worth, worth the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, man, on this topic personally, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so... I'm so torn on it. It's like, yes, I know that the medical field and pharmaceuticals especially are extremely corrupt, mm-hmm. right? And at first at first glance, it would think like, man, if somebody had the cure for cancer, they could just make a shit ton of money, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But, there, but then again, there's also been people who have invented water cars, and you're like, man, they could make a shit ton of money, <laughs> and yet... Where are they? They're all dead. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> spoiler alert. They're all dead. I think we're going to do an episode on water cars in the yeah. future. I okay. can't wait for that one. Um, <clears throat> but yes. So do I think that you could sell the cure for cancer for a lot of money? Absolutely. Um, but for one, number one, I feel like we don't, we probably don't have a cure for all cancers. No. But you can't be naive enough to believe that we don't have a cure for, for some so cancers, cancers and probably the most popular ones. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like lung cancer, mm-hmm. uh, what colon cancer, mm-hmm. some of the most popular ones. I feel like we probably have cures for these. Right. And if you think, you know, one pill or one shot or one short treatment, um, is going to make the health field more money than ongoing radiation, that causes and therapy and all that, that causes further medical harm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, I understand that the cure for cancer could make a lot of money, but treating cancer the way we do right now not only makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. it makes even more money comp- exponentially compounded yeah. because of the issues yeah. that you're you now have from being treated for cancer. Yeah, yeah. And think about all the departments, all the different types of cancer there are. So we have to have specialists in every single department. Mm -hmm. And all of those would disappear if all those treatments were necessary. Right. If they were all one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. These, uh, what are the plastics? Endo. Anti. 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 Neoplastics. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I don't know. It's anti-neoplastins. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I know, because that <laughs> in one documentary we watched, there was like a southern judge, and the way he said it kept cracking me up. I, I have to look at he, it. He kept like emphasizing the O a lot. He was like plastones, mm. anti-neoplastones. Oh, it was Texas. Yeah, it was Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you'll have that. You'll have that. <laughs> But yeah, guys, obviously this is a wormhole and there's a million different avenues you could take with an episode like this. Mm -hmm. But the reason we wanted to show this specific example is because it is the most well-documented for one. Yeah. And it's obvious proof. Yeah. And it's not even that old. You're talking late 90s, early 2000s. Well, he is still running today. And he's still running his business. And he's running under FDA approved clinical trials mm-hmm. so you know i mean it's just it's the field of medicine too that's the way you know people have to break in right but i think the 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 real obvious point of irritation here is how much they attacked him just for being an individual research company right you know what i'm saying when he wanted but you to, can understand their hesitancy of course absolutely. one single person comes to me with data and be like just you did this yes like you had no other yeah <laughs> other people's no other control no other scientists it's like a back and forth of like you said it's just completely conflicting when you dive into it you're like there's a million different doctors like this that have presented different types you know right. like even at things like uh like cannabis Mm-hmm. And CBD oils and things like that have been shown to treat cancers. Right, And right. these people are just written off as quacks because they're not uh, under la- under big pharmaceutical labels. Exactly. Like even if their shit is proven, and people are like, have the they have the evidence in hand. Here's all these patients, just like this doctor yeah. did. Here's all these patients that I have proved to have cured. They're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. We can't have people getting cured by something they could grow in their own yard. No. Okay? We can't allow them to have that or be cured by that. Yeah. (laughs) It's clear that they're the only thing that they really care about, and like you said, is backing their own own interest and protecting their own establishments. Absolutely. They don't want to lose that power. Mm -hmm. Like that one lady said, she's like, you're using my money to protect your power. Yeah. And money. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so, so and messed make up. more money. <laughs> it's so messed up. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, that's how we feel about it. That's our opinions. And like I said, that was one of the best cases that we could that we could bring to you, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our 30-minute format or whatnot uh, that explained this. If you would like to, you can check out our sources below. We've linked uh, multiple YouTube videos. Um, you can hear the, the sources where we got those clips from that you heard during the episode as well as tons of other stuff if you want to never sleep. All right? (laughs) Great. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you on the other side of the Lauren Synopsis. All right? It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis, breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The cure for cancer. Is there one? Has there been one? Has it been locked away and hidden? Is it all a conspiracy um, because the medical industry can make more money by 
administering cancer treatments over the course of a long span of time, rather than just curing your cancer with a, you know, some sort of an elixir or a shot or treatment. I've thought much about this as I think we, most of us have having all of us have known somebody, person, animal, you know, a loved one that has been affected by cancer. We've lost people to cancer. We've lost our animals to cancer. And I ultimately don't know the answer, but I, I lean towards they don't have a cure and it's too complex for them to still understand much like the human brain is far too complex and we understand very little about it. I think cancer is very versatile and attacks the human body in many different ways. And it's too complex for a simple elixir or something like that. And also I think if there was a cure, it would be the most profitable drug slash treatment that's ever existed. And it would even be close because like we, like I just mentioned, we, you know, everyone will at some point be affected by cancer, whether it's you personally or someone close to you. So it would be absolutely the most profitable product that's ever been known to humankind. I mean, it would, it would make people so rich, whatever pharmaceutical company got their hands on this cancer cure first would absolutely dominate the space and all the other ones would just try to replicate it and copy it. And, and, uh, it would be far more lucrative than any, uh, cancer treatments, you know, chemo and all of that, you know, it's, you could, you could charge whatever you wanted. I mean, this is life we're talking about. If, if you had someone who was diagnosed with terminal cancer and you offered up a cure for it, they would give you every penny they had for that. So it would just be the most lucrative thing you could possibly imagine. Um, and I do think generally speaking that pharmaceutical companies are heartless and they care more about profit than anything else. And I tend to believe that politicians and most people in power are the same way. They lose their soul at a certain point. Um, and also companies, when they get as large as most of these pharmaceutical companies are, they, they don't think the same way as a, as a single individual would. They think in it's group think and the company's, uh, bottom line is the most important thing. And, you know, as much as I, I think they, they wouldn't bat an eye as, as far as doing something as evil as suppressing a cancer cure. Um, it would ultimately be much more lucrative to release the cancer cure and sell it at a markup than it would be for them to, suppress it and just continue on with allowing people to have cancer and treating it. So, so that's my thoughts on this week's topic and I hope you guys enjoy it. See you next time. All right, Lauren, thank you for that synopsis as always, sir. Um, and here's one that we disagree on for once. Yeah, we disagree. I think there is a cure and I do think, uh, that the cure would be even less profitable than all of the various departments and treatments and ongoing therapies and all the things that we have going on now. But, hey, it's just my opinion. And that's why we got Lauren here, right? That's why we got him. We Basically, for this week, it, all that was on the calendar was cure for cancer. Boom. That's it. You study what you want. <laughs> I'm going to study what I want. And, of course, Kristen's going to write what we actually produce. Right? 
But anyways, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode as all of these little uh, these little history lessons that we like to do here on Strange and Unexplained. And if you like what we do here, the best thing you can do for the podcast is go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys. And for just five bucks a month, you can get access to everything we make here at True Crime Guys Productions. There is a ton of shit. If you if you like to listen to the schedule, uh, there's a little outro that I'm putting at the end of this episode and probably episode every episode from here on out to remind you guys of all of our releases throughout the week. All right. So again, that's patreon.com slash true crime guys. Um, you can actually join and be a patron for just $2 a month. And, but on that tier, you get access to basically every true crime guys, Patreon exclusive episode, which we do one a month. Um, there's 60 something in there currently. And then, um, also the TCG vault. So any old episodes that we take off of the free feeds to free up bandwidth and space and whatnot will go onto the Patreon vault. So on that $2 tier, you can get access to those. But for just three more bucks a month, you get access to literally everything we create, as well as this Sandu content. All right, which is Strange Shorts every Monday, which we had a free episode last week, Strange Shorts 90, where me and Andy uh, jumped on here and shot the shit for a little while. And also, uh, Sandu Stories. You get access to every Sandu Stories. If you're unfamiliar with uh, Sandu Stories, it is our audio drama, our fully scripted, uh, basically, movie in your ears, as we like to call it. And there are a few examples of Sandu Stories available on this free platform, as well as True Crime Guys free platform, if you'd like to check those out. We just released Chapter 18 last week. All right. All right, guys. Well, that's pretty much it. If you get a chance, please rate or review the show wherever you listen. And, uh, yeah, links to everything I've mentioned right below the description of this episode. Check out the True Crime Guys link tree. All right. We'll see you guys next week for a new strange and unexplained case. Until then, be strange, all right? Just don't be strangers. feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. And if those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and the 5-Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. Hey, uh, how, do you, how do you shut this thing off? Over?